Welcome to Beyond the Box podcast. The mission of Fairway Cares is to send hope, courage, strength, and love to those facing critical illness, loss of a loved one, or sustained physical trauma through care packages. May you be inspired through these stories as we journey beyond the box. I'm your host, Sherry Anderson, CEO of Fairway Cares, and today my guest is a cancer survivor. Jennifer Rome, and I love that. I love to say that she has been a survivor for four years. She is a loan officer in Kansas City area and has been with Fairway for three and a half years. She not only is a loan officer, but a proud mom of two young boys who are her pride and joy. And just want to give uh, Jennifer a hearty Fairway Cares welcome. Well, thank you, Sherry. I am uh, honored to be a guest on your show and just want to thank you for all that you do for others. Well, thank you, Jennifer. You are such an inspiration to so many. And I know writing is a passion of yours, and it's been really neat to be able to read your posts and, and follow you and not only do that, but be just a close friend. And one thing I didn't mention is that you are also a Fairway Cares champion, which a lot of a lot of folks may know, and we can talk about that a little bit. But, you know, one of the things that is not talked about, I think, enough is life after cancer. What happens once you, you know, you get that all clear, your treatment's over? What does that look like? And is it really completely over? Mm. Help us understand, you know, kind of the a little bit of the fallout of the journey, what that looks like for you and where you find yourself today. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, and, and yes, you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, I think if you haven't been intimately, you know, had a cancer journey yourself or been intimately involved with someone who's been on the journey, it's, it's really, I think, probably commonplace to just think, okay, treatment's done, life is back to normal. But um, and it, and, and you do have to get back to a place of normalcy and it, it, it will be a new normal, but it, it's not, it's not that cut and dry and that black and white. Um, you know, there, there are a number of aspects and it really kind of depends on the course of treatment. So, um, you know, for myself, I didn't go through chemo, but I know that, um, for those who, that do go through chemo, they, they experience things like, neuropathy um, in their hands and their feet, which can be really painful um, and difficult to manage, they may experience brain fog. And so here they are, you know, if, if they're working, they're trying to get back to, you know, handling their normal responsibilities and keeping up with the the everyday demands of life. And yet they've got these, these physical, I'm going to call them ailments for lack of a better word, but these, these physical things that they deal with that, that make it hard. And, you know, and then in like a a case like mine, um, I, my care, because my cancer was extremely sensitive to hormones, the better care for me was basically to have my ovaries removed and not do chemo necessarily. But for somebody that was not anywhere near menopause to go right into full blown, uh, menopause without any hormone replacement, it, it, it's like your body's in, in shock. And, um, and it doesn't just calm down overnight. It takes, I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
let's see, I'm about uh, probably three and a half years from having my ovaries out. And I still deal with the aftermath. Um, a lot of just, you know, could be skin issues, sleep issues, um, intense, intense hot flashes, um, cold intolerance. There, there are just a number of, of things, um, joint pain, um, so on and so forth. And I mean, and I'm not complaining. Um, I feel really fortunate, but, um, but yes, there's, um, there's this, there's the physical side of it. And, and I'm sure every survivor's journey is a bit different. Um, but then there's also the, uh, the emotional side of it. You know, I think even, even a person who's of the best spirits and, and really great at, you know, keeping a positive mindset, the reality is they just faced a life altering diagnosis and they have to decide what to do with that. And there's, there's a lot of angst and um, grief and things like that, that make it really hard to just step right back into the life they had before their cancer diagnosis and treatment. Jennifer, it's so good to, to talk about this. It's one of those things, you know, that I, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it because you think, oh, you know, bring the bell, you're done, your treatment's done great, get on, you know, get on with your life, you, you know, all these things. And um, it's just not that way. Can you, you know, so you kind of talked about the physical side of it, but talk about the the emotional side, you know, part of it is, you know, just that whole thing of, okay, you've, you know, and last time we visited, you talked about the, the shock of learning that you had cancer and racing to figure out the treatment, you know, navigating all that. And then you're at the end of your treatment and you're a survivor, and that's awesome. Um, but I, I'm, tr- I'm guessing that there's a little bit more to, to that than just saying I'm a survivor and okay, carry on. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I imagine it's different for every single survivor. For me personally, you know, I, I, I um, the, the way I heal from a lot is to be able to kind of talk through whatever my experience. Um, has been. And I I can remember people saying to me like, well, I mean, you were lucky, like it was stage one. And and it was and it was, I don't believe me, I was grateful. I was grateful for so many things. But the reality is like, it, it is, it takes an emotional toll on a person to to get a diagnosis like that. Well, I wanted to I wanted to ask, you know, you kind of said you were, okay, so one of the things that when you were talking was you made the comment that you were grateful, you know, you had, I mean, you still had a diagnosis and with that diagnosis came several surgeries. Okay, mm-hmm. Jennifer, those surgeries were not a walk in the park. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> no. that That's hard. That's an invasion in your body. That's that's things that, that happened to you that, I don't care, surgery is surgery. And, you know, those surgeries happened, you know, fairly quickly, one right after another, just that to, to walk through, not to mention what the surgeries were, but just surgery in general. And, and to, you know, to prepare your mind, you know, I'm going to have surgery and then the recovery and, and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that, that had to kind of take a little bit of a toll. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I when I got my diagnosis, I was in the best health of my life. Um, and it's still, I mean, surgery after surgery, I, I've lost, 
track of how many, I know I had three surgeries in less than three months. And then I believe I had another three or four surgeries after that, um, just in, you know, probably about once a month after that. I I mean, it was, uh, physically it was a challenge, but then mentally it was definitely a challenge. I, I mean, prior to any of my surgeries, I could go have a shot, I could have my blood drawn and nothing ever bothered me. And after being poked and prodded, I mean, over and over and over again, whether it was blood work that they needed or, you know, some tests they were running ahead of surgery and then everything that comes with surgery and the different things they monitor after. I mean, it's just, I now, I now cope with a phobia of blood draws basically. Um, (laughs) And it's irrational. Like I could rationally tell myself, Oh, you've done this a million times. It's okay. But um, when I go and I sit down to have my blood drawn again, I can just feel every, every muscle in my body tense up. So there, there are things like that, that you just, you have to learn to navigate and, you know, overcome. And I, I just, um, for every, for anyone who's going through the journey, I want, I just want them to know, you know, it's, it's normal. And then for those in their community, the more that those resources can just be incredibly sensitive to all those little details. I I just think it, it creates an, you know, a kind of a loving environment for, for the survivor to overcome and to, to find a place to move on. How did you keep your positive attitude during all of this? Oh, goodness. Um, you always know how to ask questions to get, <laughs> get emotions out of me. But um, I mean, it's, it's always been like, I'm an overcomer. I just, when I look back on my life, like, I I come from a, a family of overcomers, my mom's an overcomer. Um, and there's just always been this attitude of, you, you get up, you keep going, you, you find the next thing to move you forward. And it's, you know, as we know, in our industry, it's the little things we do every day that help our businesses grow and help us to to sustain um, and to get better. And it's, it's that same attitude and that same mentality that helps you just, you know, helps propel you forward and keep you keeping you moving forward. You just have to say, okay, I can't solve everything. And there are certain things I'll never be able to change. But what's one thing I can do today to, you know, either help with my my mental health, help with my physical health, um, you know, all those different components. So, so Jennifer, that's so great. And I um, think about, you know, your mom, I know was a was a really powerful influence for you during your journey. She seemed to be, you know, right there to kind of help you. Aside from that, who else would you say really inspired you um, or encouraged you during your journey? Um, Definitely my boys, not necessarily from, you know, from a kind of a caretaker perspective, but more because I knew I had to I knew I had to model strength for them. Um, I knew that the one thing I didn't have control of is how long I was going to be on this earth. So at least while I was here, I needed to make sure that I showed up in a way that if I wasn't here, they would have a model of strength, much like I had, you know, I've always had in my mom. So there was that. And then I, um, 
I, you know, as we've talked in the past, like I've just, I've always sought out um, connection with other people. So I have, you know, I have a huge family unit um, and then a lot of, you know, friends that I've just, you know, I leaned on. I, I'm fortunate that many reached out to me and then I wasn't shy at all about picking up the phone and calling when I really needed support. And that was actually a huge change for me because I'm, I'm a fiercely independent person and one of those types of people that's like, no, I got this. I can handle it all. And um, I couldn't handle it all. So I had to kind of quickly accept that and then, you know, reach out when I really needed support. That's beautiful. And I think it's just such a good reminder to listeners um, that reaching out for help and seeking help is really a noble thing. It's not, it's not a sign of weakness. And so often people, okay, so here's another question. So often people say, Hey, I'm here for you. Let me know, you know, how I can help. And sometimes that can be hard because it's like, you don't know, you know, how to, you know, you don't know how to tell them to help you. And sometimes if you're not that person that wants to jump out and say, Hey, here, over here, I need this help. What would you say to those that are walking through a breast cancer journey with somebody? So let's say you have a friend that's walking through the journey. And of course, we know everybody's individual. But if you were to think or or suggest one or two things that a friend could do for somebody going through breast cancer that could just jump in and do it. Is there one or two things that come to mind that you, that would have been really, or was really helpful for you? Oh, I, you know, I, I think it's just the phone calls to say the phone calls, the cards, the, the care packages. It's the things that say, Hey, I, you know, I, I know I can't change this for you, but I'm here for you. Like you are, you're not on this journey alone. Like that single-handedly speaks louder than anything. And I think it's really hard when you're in the journey to know even what to ask for, because you, you really are just, you're going through the motions and you're in survival mode. So stepping away from the situation to really know um, what to ask for is nearly impossible. So the more that the, the, you know, the, the community of caregivers and friends can just, yeah, I mean, I got gift cards for, you know, pizza. So that was fun because then I could order pizza in for my boys and they thought it was something special, but it wasn't. And it took pressure off me to make a meal. Um, you know, and we kind of made, made something fun out of it. Like, Oh, this is from aunt so-and-so. And so it made it extra special. So little things like that. And as I said, just even phone calls and cards, you know, that's, that's amazingly helpful to know that because I think so often people want to do something and, and, you know, sometimes you kind of are paralyzed because you don't know what to do and you want to do, um, you want to do something and that's where the packages come in. But if, if you want to do something in addition to that, you know, those cards and those phone calls mean a lot more than you think. And so don't underestimate, you know, the power of reaching out and just taking that action. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I had aunts and uncles who consistently called me like, you know, every month just to see how I was doing. And I was like, that was such a blessing. So it's, you know, and I find I do that now. I've got a client whose mother is terminally ill and I call her about every four to six weeks just to see, you know, so things like that make a huge impact. Well, not only are you doing that and and that's just 
who you are, Jennifer, you know, just paying it forward with your experience. But as we seek to add value to our packages, our care packages, we mentioned earlier, you are a Fairway Cares champion. And as a champion, you so graciously have offered your phone number to anybody walking through the breast cancer journey that gets a package to be that person for somebody that might not have that support. Um, so I just applaud you for that. Have you had an opportunity to, to visit with some people? Do they, do they participate in that or reach out at all? I have not received a phone call uh, yet. What I, where I have received feedback is from the you know, fellow fairway family members who request the packages. And, and I think, you know, that just that sentiment of, like, you know, offering that extra level of support, I think it's just helpful, even if I never get a call. Um, I think just seeing that card in, you know, in front of you, or that, you know, the employee knowing that those resources are available, sometimes that alone is enough to carry a person, you know, into the next day in their journey or into the next um, you know, stage in their journey, uh, just to know that those resources are there. That's so good. And you know, you, you mentioned, you know, that next step, you know, so often even with the care packages, we say we can't fix everything, right? So you you can't fix everything for somebody who requested a package and has this precious one that it's in their life going through this. But if we can give them that encouragement, that hope, that that one thing that can help them take the next step, that's, that's powerful. Oh, absolutely. Because it is, sometimes it, when you're in it, and, and even like, you know, we've been talking like the life after treatment. Sometimes, sometimes that's almost where the biggest void is because when you're in treatment, you, as I mentioned, you're just going through the motions, you're in survival mode. And then all of a sudden it's done. You ring the bell or, you know, all of it's behind you and you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, and then it's a lot of times once you then try to step back into your old life and yet it's not your old life that's when a lot of the grief and everything sets in. And I think it's at that stage where if you, if you know, you've got people that you can lean on to help you, you know, just get through that first day back to work, or I know many people work during treatment, but, or that next follow-up appointment after treatment where you're having your next set of scans or whatever it might be, if you know you've got a community of people behind you, it it just lifts lifts the burden a little bit. It it makes that journey a little bit lighter. Wow, that's super helpful. This has been really great, and and I think it's important to talk about. So often we just you know have that idea that oh cancer's over, and and uh, what about your boys? How has that been for them? Just you know to kind of and you 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 mentioned. You know, once treatment's over, that next, you know, follow-up appointment, you know, like you said, some people work through their through their um, treatment, but it's almost like that next step of kind of getting back to a sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. if I can use that word. And, you know, because all you've known for such, <laughs> for a, a certain amount of time is that routine of treatment. And mm-hmm. I'm sure life, obviously was navigated around those treatment appointments. And to not have that, it's probably a little bit of an adjustment to get back into a little bit of a, a routine. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's, we, we had to, I mean, they, as much as I tried not to be, you know, emotional around them and tried to just step back into normal life. I mean, it, things just weren't exactly the same. Um, I would say mostly emotionally than, than physically. And so, I mean, for a time it was physical, but a lot of it was just emotional for a time. And so I, it's interesting though, like I'm trying to think of how to explain it. There's, there is a sorrow or a a grief. And as much as you try to just put your best face forward, like my kids know me well enough that they, they knew that, there was still, you know, some deep seated sadness. But it's interesting, because I had, for me personally, I had um, such a willpower to make sure that I protected them from that, that I almost like was more intentional about creating opportunities for joy. So like, as soon as I was released from, you know, one of my surgeries, we went to a zipline park and um, and we did this like four hour zip line, you know, course it was, and it was amazing. And so like, we found different ways of almost having more togetherness, which I think ultimately for me, um, was really important in just reshaping my life as a whole. So, you know, you asked about what, what other people could do to support and and honestly, that would be another thing is if there are opportunities or ways that um, the community can help uh, a cancer survivor to find moments of joy, either for them personally or for them with their family, I, I think that that can be hugely impactful in helping them move forward. That's awesome. I love that suggestion because that's something that, you know, maybe not everybody would think would think about. So um, Jennifer, thank you uh, for joining the podcast today. And I just want to thank everyone for listening until the end. And again, thanks to Jennifer for sharing her journey after, after cancer. If you know of someone and you are a Fairway teammate that has been impacted by critical illness, loss of a loved one, or has sustained physical trauma, and you'd like to help brighten their day, please contact us at fairwaycares.org to submit a request. And if you know of somebody in the Fairway family who would like to be a Fairway Cares champion, you can reach out to me, sherry.anderson at fairwaymc.com.